for joining us as we hear an anointed word from Treasure Coast Victory Center. Go to Acts chapter 1. We've been talking about the anointing of God that you have upon your life. How many of you have an anointing? How do you know you have an anointing? How do you know? How do you know? It's in the Word of God, ain't it? That pretty much explains it, doesn't it? Well, that anointing, I believe, I believe with all my heart that the anointing by the church as a whole has been not rejected, but basically just put to the side and not even used. I mean, we have nice fellowships. We have a lot of seeker-friendly churches. We have a lot of groups that come together and, and hold hands and help each other. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I believe the original church was birthed in power. I believe that God's expectation of his people is to walk in the same power that Jesus Christ walked in when he was here on the earth. Now, this is going to have to take your mindset up a level because you're not thinking power-wise. You're just thinking, be good little boys and girls, hug each other once in a while, send somebody a cake or cookie or something, and that's it. But there's more to that. There's power in you this morning. And it's important that that power on the inside of you manifests in the earth realm while you're here. Because once you're gone, it doesn't matter how much it manifests because there's nobody to deliver in heaven. There's nobody to set free in heaven. So we want to understand that we've got something. Say, i got something. Say, I really do. All right, Acts chapter 1, look at verse 8. Now, this is Jesus. If you look in your Bible and you've got one that's got red when Jesus talks and then, you know, black when he doesn't, if you look, this will be the last verse, basically, that's in red before Jesus goes. Everything else will be black. See that? Isn't that interesting? So this is the last thing he said, basically. In verse 8, he said, But you shall receive after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. So here he is. He's about ready to go. And he basically says, I want you disciples to know something. I'm going to be leaving very shortly. I want you to understand that when the Holy Ghost comes upon you, you shall receive power. Now notice what it doesn't say. It does not say when the Holy Ghost comes upon you, you will feel power. You will sense power. You will know for sure because of the goosebumps that you have power. He simply says, when the Holy Ghost comes upon you, you shall receive. So notice, that means I've got power all the time, doesn't it? That means not just in a church service when I'm praising and worshiping and the hair standing up on my arms or when I come up and pastor lays hands on me and I fall down in the Holy Ghost and I get knocked out of the Spirit. Oh, the anointing's here. No, the anointing's here. And when you put faith in that anointing on the inside of you, it will start to manifest in your life. Many times the anointing in your life is the strongest when you do not feel anything because you have to put faith in the anointing in you alone rather than the feeling that you have at the time. Are you following me? It's easy to lay hands on people when you're, you're all fired up and praise God. You're ready to think you can fly and everything else. And, and it's easy, but, but a lot of your faith then goes in your feeling rather than what's on the inside of you. Are you following me? So he's not talking about a feeling here. He's talking about a gift that he gave to you because he went to the cross. He suffered and died so that you could be what the Bible says, born again. Say born again. Born again. And that born again was an entrance into the kingdom of God to when, when you got in there, you were declared righteous. Say, I'm righteous. I'm righteous. Say, I'm not guilty. I'm, I'm not condemned. Because I'm righteous. So you're righteous, not by what you did, but by the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ has made you righteous. What for? So that you could be a holy temple for the Holy Ghost to come and live on the inside of you. And when the Holy Ghost came on the inside of you, notice what happened. You shall receive what? Power. All right, go to Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3, look at verse 1. Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. And a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. Who, seeing Peter and John about to go in the temple, asked an alms, and Peter, fastening his eyes upon John, said, Look on us. 
and he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have I give thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and... And he took him by the right hand, and he lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising, praising God. That's a good story, isn't it? Oh, this is a story about the original church, the church after Pentecost, and the Holy Ghost had come upon them. There was a man there who was laid at the gate every year, crippled, asking for money. And notice Jesus, or I mean, Peter walks up and says, look at us, say, look at us. Now notice, the only reason why you'd say, look at us, is because you believe you have something with us that's going to help you. Are you following me? I mean, he didn't say, look at God in heaven, close your eyes and find Jesus. He said, look on us. Now watch what he says. Such as I have, I give. Now, how many know he knew he had something? How many know the church don't? If anything in a church, if you've been in here very long, you've been taught to deny what you have. Do you have power? I should say not. God's got all the power, and I'm going to be humble. But you're also going to be ineffective. So he said, look on us. Why? What I have, I give unto you. They knew that they had something on the inside to give this man. Praise God. And notice, he wasn't looking for a healing. He wasn't looking for a deliverance. What was he looking for? Money. He was looking for money, wasn't he? He was looking for money. But notice, Peter was so much in the Spirit at this time and walking in the Holy Ghost that he knew exactly what that guy needed, even though he didn't know what he needed. See, he thought, give me a million dollars and I'll be set. Peter said, that is, that's not your problem. The reason why you need money is because you need a deliverance from God that will set you free so you can go out and make your own living and do this. So he saw beyond. Say beyond. beyond. John, would you just close those two back doors back there for me, please? John. John. Just close those two back doors for me there. I don't know, they must be automatic where you walk by and they open automatic. Can we get one of those things back there? Get one of those things back there. All right, well, we got one closed. That's good. Praise God. That's better not having any. Glory to God. Hallelujah. There's just so much traffic going back and forth that it uh, takes me out of my, my vein of preaching and teaching that I want to stay in the zone. Am I in the zone? Am I still there? Am I still there? Maybe it was coming for the back door, so I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> so, Peter says, such as I have, say, such as I have, say, I have, I have. what Peter had, which is the Holy Ghost. And another thing interesting here, notice where they were going. They were going into the temple, say, into the temple, to pray. We'd have never thought about it going into the temple to pray. We may have thought about doing a miracle after praying and coming out of the. So that means that they were walking in the Holy Ghost even before they got to the prayer meeting. Most people go to the prayer meeting to get in the presence of God. But apparently they were already in the presence of God before they got to the prayer meeting. And when they got to the prayer meeting, he was already healed, praise God. And notice he went walking and leaping and doing what? Praise Praising God. God. All right, go to Acts chapter 4. How many want to operate in the anointing of God? How many want to see signs, wonders, and miracles? How many want to walk in this realm that God has destined us to live in? Praise God. All right, Acts chapter 4, look at verse 7. Well, don't look at me. 
I think you'd all have to agree I read it much better than what you just heard on there. I mean, there's no question. That guy would probably not even saved, praise God. But just an example of what you have, praise God. For Thanks, honey. All right, Acts chapter 4, look at verse 7. And when they had set them in the midst, these are the religious people, they asked, by what power or by what name have you done this? Then Peter filled with the... Said unto them, you rulers and the people and the elders of Israel, if you this day be examined of the, of the good deed, say good deed, the good deed done to the impotent man by what means he is made, be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel by, by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, who God has raised from the dead, even by him does this man stand here before you whole. So notice, they get a miraculous healing. This guy who's been crippled for 40 years gets healed. And the leaders of that day called them on the carpet. What for? Healing. For healing the person. For the good deed. Say the good deed. So when you look at good deeds in here, it doesn't mean that you took somebody a cake, which is fine. It doesn't mean you took them out to lunch. It was fine. A good deed here means a supernatural miracle power work of God. Are you following me? Jesus, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power who went around doing good. You are created in Christ Jesus unto Good works which God has foreordained you to do. What's the good works it's talking about? Works of power in your life. Works of absolutely Holy Ghost anointing and power. So what happens? They do what they were created to do, and they get reprimanded by the leaders of that day. If you're going to walk in signs, wonders, and miracles, you better be ready. Not everybody's going to like you. Remember the one time that where the blind guy was there and Jesus heals the blind guy and they kept coming and saying, who healed you, the blind man? He said, you know, Jesus. Then he got his parents in, says, was he blind? Well, yes, he was blind. And finally they came and, and was, it, was it really Jesus who did it? And the guy says, and, and he said, is he a, what is he? Is he a devil? Is he Jesus? Who is he? And the guy said, I don't care who he is. All I know is I was blind and I can see. So when the power of God hits people and sets people free, I mean, they're not going to say, was that the devil? Was that God? They're going to say, I could care less, praise God. I couldn't walk, now I can walk. I couldn't see, now I can see. I was sick, and now I'm healed. And I was weak, and now I'm strong, praise God. I had a lump, and now I'm not lumpy anymore, praise God. Hallelujah. I don't care what he is, who he is, where he came from. I just know that something changed, praise God. Don't over-rationalize the things of God. Just look for the results. Look for the fruit in things. Say the fruit. I mean, if it's God, it's going to produce fruit. And if it's not, it's not going to. All right, go to Mark chapter 16. All right, Mark chapter 16. Once again, this is Jesus. And you'll notice once again, it is the last red words he spoke. Look at verse 15. And Jesus said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. He that believes not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. They shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall... 
So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. Notice here's the early church once again. Jesus tells them to go preach the gospel. Say the gospel. How many know the gospel is good news? We're not supposed to go tell everybody how terrible they are, what, what worthless sinners they are. We're supposed to bring them good news. Say good news. And notice the gospel after it's preached is supposed to produce supernatural works. What happens? Devils come out, new tongues, protection, sick healed, people saved. Now notice these signs do not follow God. Do they? Who do they follow? The believer. Say the believer. Say I'm a believer. People say we pray for the sick because we know God can heal them. Yes, he can, but he already anointed you to be used by God, to use the anointing on the inside of you to heal the sick. Are you following me? Why even have believers and why even anoint a believers if he's going to do everything anyway? Why give you an anointing? What for? If he's going to heal everybody himself, if he's going to deliver everybody himself, he's going to do anything, you don't need an anointing. You just need to pray and beg and ask him to do what you want done. But apparently he gave us an anointing for a reason, didn't he? And that anointing was for supernatural signs to cast devils out, to heal the sick, to walk in the power of God. But the church has been so brainwashed into not believing for any power whatsoever that we're walking around basically in meetings. We have social meetings together. Everybody gets together. We're all friends. We're all everything. I'll tell you what the church is motivated by more than anything else. Fear. Come on, on 9-11, right before 9-11, you had a prayer meeting. You had 13 people there. After 9-11, you had 142. Why is that? Because they were motivated by fear. Something happened and they were all scared, so they showed up at a prayer meeting. They're not motivated by the power of God or the anointing of God or desire for God. They're motivated by the fear that something's going to happen to me. But notice, we've got to become a people who are hungry for God, who have the anointing on the inside of us that'll reach out. How many know the anointing in you will reach out to God? It'll get stirred up on the inside of you. It'll reach out to God. There'll be a livelihood on the inside of you, not in your head and not in your physical body, but it'll be in your heart to where you want more of the things of God in your life. And if you don't want more of the things of God in your life, don't worry, you're not going to get more. It's a hunger that releases the things of God on the inside of you. It's a thirst, praise God. It's a desire for the things of God and the Word of God and the Spirit of God that's on the inside of you. And there's a generation. I just keep going back to this. There is a generation that's going to be excited about the things of God and get away from these worldly things that are distracting people all over the place and driving them here and driving them there that are going to get hungry for the things of God and get excited about the things of God. And the only thing that's going to matter is God. Not money, not works, not possessions, not anything else, but God. G-O-D capital. When you get to that place, I'll tell you what, there's no going back. You can't backslide anymore. You're too far up to backslide. You're front sliding too much to backslide. Is that a word, front slide? You're in a front slide, praise God. You ain't got time to back. You're in the flow. You're in the river. You're going in the right direction. But there has to be a desire in your heart. In order for that to happen, some things are going to have to be get off of your life. Whatever's holding you back, whatever keeps you back, you got to get rid of that stuff, praise God. So notice, here's some supernatural works. Look at verse 19. So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and he sits where? At the right hand of God. And they went forth and they preached the Lord working. Now, they went, they went forth and they preached, didn't they? And who worked with them? Now, who's the Lord they're talking about there? The anointing, the Spirit of God that's on the inside of it. It already told you where Jesus is. Where is he? Seated on the right hand of the Father. But the Lord worked with them. How many you know Jesus and the Holy Ghost and the Father are all the Lord, are all God, are all three persons, one God? 
So notice, as you work, and I, I want to show you a key here. I think this is why we're not getting a lot of success in a lot of areas. They went forth and did what? Preach. preach. They preached. Preach. I'll tell you, you'll be a lot more effective in your ministry if you give someone the word before you lay hands on them. See, we walk in the corner, and I need prayer. Okay, okay. you need prayer. I'll be healed. All right. But I'll tell you what, if you build a little faith in them first, hey, God wants you healed. Oh, he does? Yes, he does, praise God. He said right here, he went to the cross so you could be healed. Did you know that? Oh, I didn't know that there. God wants you completely healed, and he wants to do it today. He does want to do it today. Yeah, he says, if believers like me lay hands on the sick, and you shall recover. Is that what it says in the Bible? Yeah, right there, that's what it says, praise God. Now, I'm going to lay hands on you, and all you got to do is receive the anointing of God, and you're going to be healed. Is that all I got to do? Yes, that's all you got to do, praise God. And there it goes, and Jesus' name, be healed. Are you healed? I don't know. I don't feel any pain, anything, or anything. I maybe worth it. You see, but all you want to do is heal, heal, blessed, heal, heal, blessed, blessed, blessed. And sometimes, if the Holy Ghost is leading you in that area, do you understand? If you if you got a line of fifty thousand people, you can't preach the word to every one of them. You'd be there for a long time. So notice, give them a little bit of the word, and just because they say they're a Christian, doesn't mean they've heard the good news. The only thing they've got so far is fire insurance. Come on, you know what I mean. You're going to hell, brother. You better come to church. I better. Come down to the altar and get out of the fire. Okay, I'll do it. But then after that, go right back to the way they were living before and more miserable than they were before they got fire insurance. Because now they're getting fire from both sides. They're getting it from the devil and from the Holy Ghost, trying to lead them in different directions. It don't work that way. We need more than fire insurance, praise God. We didn't get saved for fire insurance. We got saved to do something here on the earth because we've been called for a purpose and a plan here. And you cannot do that purpose and plan without power in your life. But the good news this morning is you have power in your life. And if you'll mix that power with the word of God, even in your own life, there is self-deliverance for you. We sing that song, Prophesy. If you'll put the word in your mouth continually and continue to speak the word out, the anointing on the inside of you will be bubbling up and churning. And when sickness, disease hits your body, you won't have to think, where did this come from? I wonder where I got this. I wonder what it is. Then you go to the internet. Oh, God forbid. <laughs> you were thinking strep throat before you were done. You had 7,452 diseases that you could possibly have, and they're all going to kill you. And now you're trying to believe God. Don't do that. Praise God. Go to the Word of God. Hallelujah. Have the Word ready in your mouth. Shoot that thing out at that thing. Stand and, and speak the Word of God to these things. Hallelujah. You'll be surprised it worketh. First time it ever worked for me, it shocked me. I'm preaching a thing. Put the Word in your mouth and speak to sickness and disease. Speak to it. And every time sickness would come, I'd say, I thought I was healed. You tell me I was healed and I'm a leader. And I'm preaching to people. You can't let me get sick because I look foolish. If I'm sick, you can't do that to me. And all the time he's saying, do what you preach. You're a good preacher, and I want you to do what you preach. Why don't you go get one of your tapes? <laughs> Spend five or four dollars and listen to yourself. And then do what the preacher's telling you to do. Ain't it the truth? Yeah. Oh, when we minister to other people, we're good, aren't we? We are bold. Don't worry, brother. You are healed from the top of your head to the soul. But I'm in pain. Don't worry about the pain. And it happens to us, help me, somebody help me, somebody please help me. It's funny because it's the truth, isn't it? See, oh, we know everything, praise God, when we're ministering to everybody else. But when it comes time to open your mouth, praise God. And there came a day I got tired of it. 
I said, that's it. I ain't putting up with this junk anymore. They wanted to take my tonsils out, my anything down there they wanted to take out, praise God, because I was having sore throats all the time. Tonsillectomy, we've got to take those out. We've got to do this. And finally, I said, that's it. I ain't, care. I ain't doing this anymore. I ain't doing this sore throat crap anymore. I ain't doing where I can't talk for days at a time stuff. It's hard to be a preacher when you can't talk for four or five days at a time. So basically, I just started talking to the thing. No, I ain't having this. I ain't putting up with this. I ain't even going to talk to you, God. I mean, you already gave me the ability to do this, and I'm standing against it, praise God. And I'm not going through this anymore. I've gone through it often. I'm going to quit talking about it. I'm going to stop putting it in my mouth for everyone else to know the problems and issues I'm going through and then trying to believe God for an answer when that's bigger in my mouth than the anointing of God that's in my life. Come on. Some people got their... Disease is so rehearsed that, I mean, they got them right on down, right? They know what year it happened. They know what date it happened. They know what time it happened. They know when it happened. They know how. You can't do that and get a healing. You can't do that and allow the healing power of God in your life. You can't talk about your poverty and walk in abundance. You've got to talk about the word of God and what God has said and where God has brought you because you're in that place already. You're already in a healed position. You're already in a prosperity situation. You're not trying through your efforts to get there. The only effort needed was already done. Jesus on the cross healed each and every person here. So what am I going to do? I'm going to put that in my mouth. Praise God. How you feeling? Don't care how I feel. Jesus rose from the dead and I'm healed. How's your finances? Blessed. My God. Meets all my needs. Did it look like it? No. I'd like to say he meets none of my needs according to his riches and glory. If I was going to talk in the natural... But it ain't that way, is it? We're going to stay on the Word of God. We're going to raise up to the level. We're going to allow this anointing on the inside of us to do what God placed on the inside for us to do. But notice, they preach the Word, and the Word and the anointing go together. Say the Word, the word. And, the and the anointing go together. You know what else goes together? Fear and unbelief. Twin brothers. You get into unbelief, you're going to get into fear. You get into fear, it's because you're in unbelief. So you don't want to get in those things. Every time you say, I'm just so afraid... You just diagnose the problem, praise God. You want to get back in the faith of the Word of God and move on with the things of God. All right, go to Luke chapter 24. I found out in Christianity one of the worst things since entering the kingdom of God that I could do was allow myself to get run down without being in the Word and without prayer for quite a while, then to run into someone who's been a, a Christian a little bit less than I have, or maybe a lot less than I have, and I come up and talk to them, and they're speaking the Word and the Word and the Word. I don't know why that is, but that makes me, that makes me mad. You know, you know where you're supposed to be, and you're not there, and here's this person who got saved three weeks ago, and you've been in this stuff 20 years, and you just can't seem to find an ounce of anything. Here comes this new Christian. You're going to help them. And they walk up just start hitting you with the word one after the other. You go, this should feel good, but I want to slap this guy just as I wish he'd shut up, praise God. And, oh, you're blessed. You're such an anointed man. You're such a... And you're going... Ugh. Why is that? Because you in doubt and unbelief somewhere along the line. You don't know when you got in there. You don't know when you bear, but you there. And then here comes this little whippersnapper who's only been saved for, he shouldn't be talking this way. He should be talking out doubt and unbelief, and I should be the one doing this to him. And you feel terrible. But what does that do? At least that drives you back in to the Word of God and say, I'm not going to be stupid anymore, praise God. I'm going to do something different. All right, Luke chapter 24. All right, we're going to read verse 49. How many red verses are after this one? None. Luke 24, 49, Jesus says, And behold, look, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with from 
Notice this isn't an earthly power. This ain't a mental power. This isn't a physical power. This is a heavenly power that God has put on the inside of you. He has endued you. Says he's endued me. To endued means to put on, to clothe, to cover with power from on high. Say, I'm covered with power from on high. Say, I really am. So notice, what is he telling them here? He's trying to explain to them one more time. This is it. I'm telling you what's going to happen. When I go, I'm going to send the Holy Ghost. He's going to come upon you, and you are going to receive power. Now, how many know they all went to Jesus' school of ministry for three and a half years? Yep. I mean, they went there, and you ain't going to find a better teacher than him, I'm sure. He's first. I'm second. There's a couple people close for third. <laughs> so here he is teaching these disciples. I mean, and he just didn't come to church on Sunday and teach them. They went everywhere with him. And he walked, they were there. When he ate, they were there. When he went to bed, they were there. Oh, Lord, think about that. That'd make you quit the ministry, wouldn't it? Every place he went, they were there. So they were hearing every word he said, everything. They were taught. I mean, if anybody was ready to go with the word of God, it had to be, they had to be full. I mean, Jesus never had a down day where they had to pick him up and pull him out because he, he got a, a doubt and unbelief. He walked by faith all the time. But notice, so they are ready. They are more ready to preach the gospel than anybody else probably ever was in their entire lifetime. But watch what he says. Don't go anywhere until you're endued with power on high. Why is that? Because preaching alone is not enough. There has to be power to back up what is preached. Somebody's going to get saved. There's going to have to be power invested in that person to change you from the old man to the new man on the inside. How many know that's a miracle? People run around all over the place saying, I'm a Christian. I ain't had a miracle. Oh, yes, you have, brother. You may not know about it, but there's been a miracle in your life. When you entered in the kingdom of God, he changed the divine nature on the inside of you, and now, praise God, you walk. So he says, here, I'm going to send the promise. Say the promise. And at that time, you'll be endued. Say endued. With power. Now, notice the word here is actually clothed. Say clothed. So they were clothed at that time in power. And if you go back, I don't know, I'll just throw this out. This is my opinion. But back in Adam and Eve, if you notice, when they sinned, the first thing they noticed that they were is that because they lost the clothing, the anointing that they had when they sinned, and all at once I'm naked. You know, we look at that in the natural realm, but you've got to look at things in the spiritual realm too. So what happened? They became naked. So Jesus came to dress you again. He came to give you a new outfit. Hallelujah. We go around looking for new outfits. Look in here. There's a brand new outfit for each and every one of us. Let's see my new outfit. I'm holy. I'm righteous. I'm anointed. I'm powerful. I'm full of the Spirit of God. I am a habitation of God through the Spirit. I have power over devils. Glory to God. Dress yourself. Don't let the devil dress you all the time with your thoughts. Wear what Jesus has already provided for you. Because you've been endued. Say endued. With power. All right. Go to John chapter 14. All right, John chapter 14, look at verse 12. How many red scriptures are after that? Just checking. Just I figured some of you would say, that's the last one. No, it's not. There's a bunch of other ones there. Seeing if you're still with me this morning. John 14, look at verse 12. Jesus says, verily, verily, surely, surely, absolutely, listen to me for a change I say unto you. He that believes on me, the works that I do, shall he do also, and greater works than these shall 
He do because I go where? Now here's Jesus. He's prophesying, ain't he? He says the church or the people who come into the kingdom of God will do greater works than I did. So that means there has to be, if Jesus prophesied this, a greater works generation in the earth before the end. How do we know that also? Because the Bible says that Jesus will not even get up until his enemies are made his footstool. Those enemies are made his footstool. And if you go back to the place where Stephen basically was being stoned, remember that scripture? They got mad at him and they were going to stone him. And all at once he looked into heaven, which really made him mad. And he said, I see Jesus what? Seated. Now, where's Jesus? We just found out in the other scripture. He's seated. But Stephen looked up and he said he saw Jesus. But the scripture said that he's where? By the right hand of the Father. But Stephen saw him. Now, what's the difference? The difference is I believe at that time Stephen was preaching that a temple's not made with hands. He was preaching that it's not an earthly thing. He was preaching that we had become temples of the living God. And I believe that that is the revelation in this day and hour that will get Jesus to start to stand up and ready to come back because the power of God inside the church is going to start to become a reality to them. And they're going to make the enemy their footstool. When they do that, Jesus is going to come back. And Jesus, I, I tell you, here's Jesus. He's in a church service. He's just sitting at the right hand of the Father, having a good day. And all at once, Stephen says, and the temple's not made, man. Oh, that's right. Praise God. Yeah. Temple is, is on the inside of you. It's the power of God. Ooh, that's right. Praise God. We're temples of the living God. I want you, yeah, preach it. Praise God. Preach the thing. <laughs> and what happened? They stoned him. Uh-huh. Message died. See, why else would he be standing up unless the scripture doesn't know what he's talking about? He stood up. I believe he set it back down now. But I believe there's a group of people who are going to make him stand up again here, praise God. Hallelujah. People are going to get a revelation of what's on the inside of them. And the best thing about the power of God, it has no age limit. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Don't matter how old you get, you still don't have to lose your fire. Don't matter how young you are, it'll work for you, praise God. In your school or anywhere you go, the power of God's on the inside of you. It's there. Simply believe in the power of God. Stop looking at problems as problems and start looking at problems as opportunities. Every problem in your life is another opportunity to prove that Jesus suffered and died on the cross and made you a brand new creation, anointed with the power of God to do something. And here he says, you'll do greater works. Say greater works. Now notice it doesn't say God's going to do greater works. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he, and God that believes on me, no, he that believes on me, the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than he shall he do, because I go to the Father. He's talking about us again. Greater works. Are we doing greater works? We're not doing any works. We're not doing anything supernatural. Are we getting along? Are we trying to live right? Yes, we're doing all these things, but I'm telling you what, there's another dimension that you can go into. And this is where, you know, we sing that song, Joy. You can choose joy all you want, but until you operate in the good works, that joy won't be there. It just won't come up out of you. There's something about someone else succeeding other than you. It's going to be tough here. There's something about everyone else around you succeeding rather than me succeeding all the time. We think all our peace and joy is in me succeeding. It's not. It's getting others to succeed, and by getting them to succeed, you enter into success yourself. We want to succeed first, and it ain't going to work that way. Jesus said, you've got to lay down your life. Not get your life and then spread it out to someone else. No, you've got to lay it down, praise God. I believe many people are sick because they never prayed for anybody that's uh, sick. The Bible says whatever you sow, you'll 
So the more people I lay hands on, the greater return I should get on healing, right? The more money I sow, the more money I get back when it worked the same way. The more Holy Ghost I put out on people, the more Holy Ghost is going to come alive on the inside of me and start flowing on the inside of me. But when you don't give anything out, nothing's stirred up on the inside of you to come out. Are you following me? Yeah. And it don't matter. It don't, well, I, I've been Christian for 40 years and ain't done none of this. We'll start doing some of this right now, please. <laughs> start doing it now. There's no time limit on this stuff. Who knows? You may live to be 150. I don't want to live to be 150, but you could live to be 150. So notice you can do greater works. Say greater works. All right, go to Hebrews chapter 2. Hosty. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 2, let's start in verse 1. It says, Therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them... For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast and certain, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him? God also bearing them witness both with signs and wonders and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to his own will. Now, this is an interesting scripture. You won't hear this much, but it's an interesting scripture. Notice what it says, verse 3. How shall we escape if we what? How shall we escape if we what? Now, whenever I read that before, I thought for sure it said reject. How shall anybody escape if they reject such a great salvation? We all know that they're going to go to hell, right, if they reject it. But it doesn't say reject. It says, so if it's talking about people neglecting such a great salvation, it's got to be to people who's already got the salvation or else they couldn't neglect what they ain't got anyway. Are you following me? So this is talking about people who have come into the kingdom of God, who are born again, who have this great salvation, and they've got everything that they need from God, but yet they are neglecting what they already have. Could that be today's people in the church? Could that possibly? How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation at which first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed by them that heard him? Well, would that have been the disciples and the apostles, right? And what did they talk about? They talked about the power of God. They demonstrated the power of God that was in their life simply because they believed they had the anointing of God on the inside of them. What's bigger in your life right now? Your problems or the anointing in your life? Really, which one is? In your thought life I'm talking about. I mean, the anointing should be more important in your life now because we've just talked about it for 25 minutes. But when you leave here and you go home and you do whatever you got to do and you wake up Monday morning, which one's more important to you? What's on the inside of you that God has gifted you with? Or, oh my gosh, I got to work today and this boss is going to be another bonehead today. I'm just tired of this whole thing. I can't. See what I mean? It's, it's what you look at and what you concentrate on that becomes big in your life. Whatever you think on becomes bigger in your life. That's why you can take a little problem and if you worry long enough... It becomes a big problem before it's over with. Why? Because the more you think about it, the more you meditate on it, the bigger it gets in your whole life, praise God. 
So what do you want to do? I want to meditate on this anointing that I have on the inside of it. I want to be aware of the Spirit of God who lives in me. I want to know, and that doesn't mean every time you see somebody who's sick or something, you run over there, tackle them, and lay hands on them. You're led by the Spirit of God. Maybe they're not ready. Maybe they are ready. The more times you pray for somebody who's not ready, the harder it's going to be for them to get ready. Are you following me? So what do I want to do? I want to be led by the Spirit of God. I want to flow in the things of God. I want to get results. Say results. See, I'd rather pray for two people in the next month and get them both healed than 100 and get nobody healed. See, because I want results in my life. But I get those results by meditating on the Spirit of God who's on the inside of me. Whatever you're called to do for God, if the Holy Ghost and your awareness of Him on the inside is bigger than anything else around you, it'll work for you in your life. See, the Spirit of God is bigger in me than what I have to preach or what I don't have to preach today. At one time, what I said was more important to me than the Spirit of God on the inside of me. And that's why I kept double-checking everything that I said and not liking it. Not going back and listening to the tapes. Right, Latasha? (laughs) Don't go back and listen to them because the devil will pick those things apart and show you everything that was going on. All right, go to Matthew chapter 4. Say, I've been been clothed, clothed, endued, endued, infused infused with power. I'm called to do greater works than even Jesus did by the power that's already on the inside of me. All right, Matthew chapter 4, look at verse 23. And Jesus went about all Galilee teaching, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing. I believe that's the order teaching, preaching, and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. And his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought unto him all sick people that were taken with diverse diseases, torments, those that were possessed with devils, those that were lunatics, and those that had the palsy, and he healed them. Say, he healed them. Hallelujah. Now, notice, here's Jesus. He went about teaching. He went about preaching. How many think he was preaching good news? He was preaching the gospel, and all at once, praise God, he was healing all manner. Say, all manner. Say it again, all manner. Now, one thing that you need to learn in your own life is God's power is bigger than any sickness or any disease. Even though in the natural, some diseases seem like they're a lot bigger than the other disease, they're no bigger to the power of God that's on the inside of you. Are you following me? It's no difference to God when he went to the cross that he he took 14 more stripes for, for cancer than he took 12 for something else. Are you following me? Sickness is sickness. It's bondage is bondage. It doesn't matter. Now, in the natural realm, it is because some, some of the doctors can help you with, some can't. But in God's power, all things are equal. In other words, the power of God will blow anything out of somebody's life. It doesn't matter what it is. And the problem is, in the world today, some things have been magnified to a place where we wonder even if God can do the job. See, in our minds, I'm talking about again. But it's not that way. See, he healed all manner. Say all manner. How many here says lunatics? How many know you run into a lunatic? It may frighten you a little bit. I mean, that's not somebody saying, I've got a sinus condition. Would you pray for me? They're coming up to you, and they're a lunatic. But notice the same power of God. Say the same power of God. will do the same work, the same good work in everybody's life. How many have ever heard of Lester Summerall? Have you ever heard him? Have you ever read any of his books? 
I read one of his books one time where he told me that he was speaking on this same topic, basically, of the anointing of God and how big God is in us and how small the devil and demons really are when you know the, when you know the Word of God and you have a revelation of it. And he said he was laying one night in bed and he was sleeping. And all at once his bed, did you hear this? And he bounced out in the middle of the room and woke him up and he looked up and there stood the devil. He could see him. And he said, what are you doing here? You know better than this. Get out of here. And the devil started to leave and he laid back down. He said, wait. Put the bed back where you got it. And he went, boom, 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 boom. The bed went right back where it was, and then the devil left. Now, how many know you've got a different thought life? You've got a different revelation to do something like that. Hallelujah. Well, what is that? That's the thought life that brings victory into your life. And I mean, if you ever saw him, there's nothing flashy about him. He's just a country boy. Praise God. It just showed up. If you saw him, you'd have probably wanted to pray for him for him to get the anointing. You know what I mean? You did? I mean, he, he wasn't flashy. He wasn't anything else. He was just an old country boy, wore old country clothes, came around. But boy, I'll tell you, when he spoke or when he did something, the power of God hit that place. He was so simple in the power of God. But notice, he had a different view of it. People took a, I woke up in the middle of the night and I saw the devil. Oh, my God, I didn't pull the sheets up over my head. Just tell him to get out. Yeah, and put back anything, praise God, that he took from you, praise God. All right, one more. Go to Mark chapter 1. I was so impressed when he said, get out, and the devil went that I almost missed the last part he said then. I said, he told the devil to get out, and he left. Come back here, put that bed back. And I'm going to tell you what he said next. Yeah, I will. He said, the problem with the church today, it all has wussy faith. Oh, there's more country. I'll tell you the problem with people today. They all got wussy faith. Bunch of wussies. <laughs> all right, Mark chapter 1. <laughs> Power. This is what's going to happen to the church sometime here down the line, hopefully very soon. Mark chapter 1, look at verse 32. And at evening, when the sun did set, they brought unto the church all that were diseased and them that were possessed with demons. And all the city was gathered together at the door. And they healed many that were sick of diverse diseases. They cast out many devils. They suffered not the devils to speak because they knew him. How many know if the church starts to move effectively in the power of God and the things of God, they're going to get a lot more attention than they're getting right now? Come get saved. Get your fire insurance. Join our social club. You know, Come and have a Wednesday meeting with food and this and that. That's not enough. There's more to your life than that. And there's more to people that come into the kingdom of God than that. But it takes some time too. Look at verse 35. And in the morning rising up a great while before day. I hate those words. And in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a place. And there he did what? See, he spent time with the Father before he went out. Most of the church wants to do miracle after miracle after miracle, but not spend any time in prayer at all. It's the prayer that you do in your communication with God and your time in the Word that keeps that anointing on the inside of you stirred up so it's ready to flow in every area of your life. I'll tell you, you will get results. When you start getting results, people will come to you. And then you've got the problem of sifting out who you really want to come to you and who you don't. Right, James? 
I mean, James has a track record of healing people, people getting healed through the power of God and through his ministry and what he does. And people, you know, call him. Hard for him to work because he's getting calls all the time. But then again, he's probably got some people that call him all the time <laughs> with the same problem they had before. And they don't want to do what he told them to do. And it's not uncompassionate to get rid of those people. It'll save your life. Because they're sucking out of the inside of you that anointing that's in there. They're getting it out. And you need all the anointing you get for the next person who may need what's on the inside of you. So just put your hands on your belly today. Put it on there. Hallelujah. Say, I have within me the Spirit of the living God. I am a habitation of God Himself. Not a little God. Not a fictitious God. But the same God that created me lives on the inside of me. I have the power and the ability to put the Word and the anointing on any situation and change it in my life or someone else's life. I choose to pursue the Word of God. I choose to become aware of the Spirit of God on the inside of me. And the Spirit and the Word will equal success in every area of my life from this day forward. Financial success, health success, relationship success, emotional success, success in every area of my life, thanks to the Word of God and the Spirit of God on the inside of me. Now, if you believe it, give the Lord a shout. listening. For more from Treasure Coast Victory Center, visit us at mytcbc.com.